Okay, so this is gonna be part two to my chapter six, seventeen. Sorry, um, I forgot that I didn't press record on my last one, so that's why this is a part two. <laughs> um, so I only recorded like half of it. So, I'm, we're just going to continue where we left off. Um, so, yeah. I'm just going to make sure that I am recording. And hopefully, I don't mess up. <laughs> so. Okay, so I think we went from... Do you have security cameras? Okay, I think we're right there. Or... Yeah, okay, so I was like... I think that's where we left off. Do you have security cameras? I didn't see. Jason trailed off. He glanced up at the sky behind her for a moment, and when he looked back at her, his face had changed, angry lines arranging themselves around his eyes. He shook his head. Listen to me. He spat. That's enough. Enough. I don't know who you think you are, but this is unacceptable. You need to learn. Do you think you've interfered enough in in people's lives, in our lives? He said, slapping one hand into his chest wrinkling his shirt both of my daughters are gone now reporters are back lurking around my house trying to get quotes for their stories my second wife left me i'm back in this town in this house you've done enough more than enough believe me but jason and i never tried to contact me again he said, gripping the edges of the door, his skin overstretched across the whites of his knuckles or anyone in my family. That's enough. But Jason closed the door on her. Not a slam. He did it slowly, his eyes holding pip un- pips until the door broke them apart, detaching them. The click of the lock, but he was still there. Okay. But he was still there, standing at the door. Pip could see the shape of his through the frosty glass. She imagined that she could feel the heat of his eyes on hers, though he couldn't see them anymore, and still his outline hadn't moved. He wanted her to leave first, to watch her walk away. She realized, and, just, and so she did. Uh, hawking up the straps on her bronze backpack, her sneakers scraping on the front path. It might have been wishful thinking to have brought her microphone, her laptop, and her headphones. She should have expected that reaction, really, given that Hawkins had told her she didn't blame Jason. She would have been welcomed on a lot of doors, wouldn't be welcome on a lot of doors in this town. But she really needed those answers. Who had set off the alarm at Green Scene LTD that night? Was it Billy or was it someone else? Her heart was still going too fast. Sorry. 
much too fast, and now the the beat sounded to her like a timer ticking down to its own end halfway down the road. Pip checked over her shoulder, looking back at the bell's house. Jason's sil- silhouette, I think that's how you say it, was still there in the doorway. Did he really need to watch until she was out of sight? She got way... Wait. She got way... Oh, she got the message. She would never go back there. It had been a mistake. She rounded the corner onto Main Street and her phone started to vibrate in her pocket front pocket was it ravi she he should have been on the train at this time she slid her hand into her jeans and pulled out the buzzing phone no caller id pip stopped walking stared at the screen another one a second one it might just be a robo call but it wasn't she knew but what should she do she had only two options here, red button or green. She pressed the green and had the phone up to her ear. The line was silent. Hello, she said, her voice coming out too strong, crackling, crackling at the edges. Who is this? Nothing. DT, she said, eyeing some children squabbling across. Yeah, squabbling across the street, recognizing one from Josh's soccer team. Are you the DT killer? A sound. It might have been the car driving past her, or it might have been a breath in her ear. Will you tell me who you are? She said, scared she would drop the phone because her hands were suddenly slick with Stanley's blood. What do you want from me? Pip stepped out into the road, into the crossing, holding her breath, so she could hear his ins- could hear his instead do you know me she said do i know you the line crackled and then it cut out three loud beeps in her ear her heart spiking at each one he was gone pip lowered the phone and stared down at it two steps from the curb the outside world blurred disappeared for her as she stared at her empty lock screen where she was just being where he had just been moments ago there was no mistaking who the calls were from now her against him save yourself to save yourself pip heard the crackling of an engine too late the screaming eight wheels behind her she didn't need to see to know who was to to know what was happening But in that half-second, instinct grabbed hold of her, launching her legs forward, reaching for the sidewalk. A screeching sound filled her ears and filled her bones and her teeth as the car swerved away from her. One foot landed and skidded out from under her. She crashed to her knee, catching herself with one elbow and the phone skittering out of her hand across the pavement. The screeching broke into a growl, fading as the car turned right and sped away before she had even had a chance to look up. Oh my god, Pip, called a bodiless, high-pitched voice somewhere in front of her.
Oh my god, these pages are hard to turn again. actual blood from a scrape across her palm. She pushed herself up. One leg still juddered, jutted on, out onto the road as a set of footsteps hurried toward her. Oh my god! A hand came out of nowhere, held it in front of her. She looked up. Layla Mead? No, she blinked. Not Layla. Layla hadn't been real. It was Stella Chapman standing over her. Stella from school. Her almond eyes downturned with concern. If are you okay? She said as Pip took her off, offered hand and let Stella pull her to her feet. I'm fine, I'm fine, Pip said, wiping the blood off onto her jeans. This time, it left a mark. That, uh, bad head wasn't even looking. Stella said, her voice still high and panicked as she bent down to scoop up Pip's phone. You were at the cr you were at the crossing for F's sake. She placed the phone into Pip's hand, remarkably unscratched. Must have been going at least 60. Stella was still talking too quietly for Pip to keep up. OF Main Street, where cars think they own the damn road. She ran her hands nervously through her long brown hair. So close to hitting you. Pip could still hear the screeching of the wheels left behind as a ringing in her ears. Had she hit her head? Going so fast, I couldn't even attempt to read the license plate. It was a white car, though. I could see that, Pip. Are you okay? Are you hurt? Should I call someone for you? Ravi? Pip shook her head, and the ringing in her ears faded. Turned out it was just in her head after all. No, it's okay, I'm fine, really, she said. Thank you, Stella. But as she looked at Stella, at her kind eyes and her tan skin, and the lines on her cheekbones, she became someone else again. A new person, but the same person. Layla met the same as Stella in every way except her brown hair was now a dusty, ashy blonde, and when she spoke next, it was in Charlie Green's voice. How have you been anyway? I haven't seen you in months. And Pip wanted to scream at Charlie and tell him about the gun he had left behind in her heart, show him the blood on her hands. But she didn't want to scream, actually. She wanted to cry and ask him to help her, help her understand everything. Understand herself. Beg him to come back and show her how to become, uh, how to be okay with who she was again. Tell her in this calm, soothing voice that maybe she was losing this fight because she was already lost. The person in front of her was not asking her when she was off to college. Pip asked the same question back, and they stood there on the street, talking carelessly about a future Pip wasn't sure she had had anymore. It wasn't Charlie standing in front of her, talking about leaving home, and it wasn't Layla Med. It was Stella, only Stella, 
but even so, it was hard to look at only Stella. That was the last page of chapter 17. This is chapter 18. Let's get right into it. Another one, Ravi didn't move. The expression on his face held there like he was sus suspended in time. On that one patch of carpet, as though to move either way, forward or back, would confirm the thing he did want, didn't want to hear. If he didn't move, it might not be real. He'd only just walked through her bedroom door. It was the first thing Pip had said to him. Don't freak out, but I got another blocked call today. She hadn't wanted to text him earlier, distract him while he was working, but the waiting had been hard. The secret burrowing around under her skin looking for its own way out yeah this morning she said watching his face out it finally shifted eyebrows climbing up his forehead away from his glasses that he'd remembered again did you say anything just breathing why didn't you tell me he stepped forward close closing the gap between them and what happened to your hand? I'm telling you now, she said, running a finger down his wrist. And nothing really. Kara nearly... Oh, sorry. Why did I think this was Kara? Car nearly hit me as I was crossing the road. It's fine. It's just a scrape. But look, this call is a good thing because... Oh, is it good? Is it getting calls from a potential serial killer? Good well, that's a relief, Ravi said. Hand raised to theatrically mop his brow. Can you listen, she said, rolling her eyes. Such a drama queen when he wants to be. It's good because I spent all afternoon looking this up. And look, see, I've downloaded this app, Pip held. Held up her home screen to show him. It's called Call Trapper. And what it does is once you activate it, which I now have, and paid the, the freaking $6 subscription fee. When you get a call from a blocked number, it will unmask it. So, you know, the number that's calling you, you smile. Oh, she smiled up at him. Hooked her fingers onto his belt loop like he always did to her. I should have installed it after the first call really, but it wasn't sure but I wasn't sure what it was at the time. Though it might have been a random butt dial. Never mind, I have it now. And next time he calls me, I'll have his phone number. She was being too cheery, she could tell. Over over compassing Ravi nodded. And his eyebrows climbed back down just a little. There's a nap for everything these days, he said. Great, now I sound like my dad. Oh my god. Look, I'll show you how it works. Call me with star six seven at the front to block your number. Okay. She watched Ravi pull out his phone and tap away at the screen. It was sudden and unexpected. The feeling that stirred in his in her chest watching him a feeling that 
dulled her dulled there took it sweet its sweet time and slow burn it was just an unexpected nice thing to know that he knew her number by heart that some part of her lived inside him too team ravi and pip he would look for her and if if she disappeared wouldn't he he might even find her the feeling was interrupted by her phone buzzing in her hands no caller id she held it up to show ravi so what it does i press the button twice to decline the call she said demonstrating Demonstrating, her phone returned to its lock screen, but only for half a second before it lift, lit up with another call. And this time, Ravi, Ravi's phone number sc- scrolled along the top. See, it diverts it to the call trapper, where the number is unmasked, and then they redirect the call back to me, and the caller has no idea on their end. She said, pressing the red button. Can, can't believe you just hung up on me. She put down her phone. See, I have technology on my side now. Her first victory in the game. But no, not on the lingering over. She was already way behind. Okay, I'm not going to go as far as to say that's good, Robbie said, not referring to anything as good after reading Billy's police interview and realizing that a serial killer the whole world thinks have, has been locked up for six years might actually be hanging around, threatening to brutally murder my girlfriend. But it's something he wandered over to her bed, sat down in inelegantly on the comforter what i don't get really is how this person has your phone number everyone everyone has my phone number i'm damn well hope not he replied quickly upheld no i mean from the posters she couldn't help but laugh at his face we'd put up missing posters from for Jamie all over town with my phone number on them. Anyone in front of you could have my phone number, anyone. All right, he said, chewing his lip. We weren't thinking about future stalkers slashing serial killer killers at the time, were we? Haven't crossed, hadn't crossed our minds, Robbie sighed, dropping his face into his cupped hands. What, she said, she asked him, swiveling in her chair. Just... Don't you think you should go back to Hawkins, show him that DT article with the pigeons and Billy's interview? This is too big for us. It was Pip's turn to sign out. Ravi, I'm not going back there, she said. I love you and you are perfect in all the ways you aren't like me and I would do anything to make you happy, but I can't go back there. She slotted one hand through the other, tightened them into a knot of crisscrossing fingers. Hawkins basically called me crazy to my face last time, told me I was imagining it all. What's he gonna going to do if I go back and tell him that actually my stalker, who he doesn't think is real in the first place? Wait, let me check if this thing is recording. Yeah.
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just gotta make sure. Think the real in think is real in the first place. Is an infamous serial killer who has been in prison for six years, who both confessed and pleaded guilty, except he might not actually have done it. He'd probably put me in a straight jacket. I think that's what he said. Right then and there, she paused. They won't believe me. They never believe me. Ravi plead. Ravi peeled. I think that's what it says. Peeled his fingers away. Uncovering his face to look at her. You know, I've always thought you were the bravest person I've ever met. Fearless. Fearless. I don't know how how you do it sometimes. And whenever I'm feeling nervous about anything, I'm all, I always think to, to myself, what would Pip do in this situation? But he exhaled. I don't know if this is the time to be brave, to do what Pip would do. The risk is too high. I think, I think maybe you're being reckless and, oh my god, so rude. He trailed off into a wordless shrug. Okay, look, she said, opening her hands. At the moment, the only evidence we have is the, is a bad feeling. When I get my name, when I get a name, some cons concrete evidence a phone number even she said picking up her phone to wave it at him then i will go back to hawkins i promise and if he doesn't believe me then i'll go public with the information i don't care about any more lawsuits i put it out there all over social media and the on the podcast and then they will listen no one's no one's going to try to hurt me if i told thousands hundreds of thousands of people who they are and what they're planning to do that's our defense there was another reason she had to do this and do this alone of course but couldn't tell ravi she he wouldn't understand because it didn't make sense it was beyond that it wouldn't fit into words even if she tried pipar asked for this wished for it begged for it one last case the right one to fix all the cracks inside her self and if billy Karras was innocent and if the man who wanted her to disappear was dt then she could she couldn't have wished for something more perfect there was no gray area here none at all not even a trace the dt killer was good was sorry the dt killer was the closest thing to evil the world could offer her there was no good that's what i meant (laughs) he is not good in in him at all no mistakes no good intentions twisted no redemption nothing nothing like that and if pip were the one to finally catch him to free the innocent man that would be an objectively good thing no ambiguity no guilt good and bad set right inside her again 
no gun in her heart or blood on her hands. This would fix everything so it could go back to normal to Team Ravi and Pip living their normal lives. Save herself to save herself. That's why she had to do this her way. Is that, is that better? She asked him. Yes, he gave her a weak smile. That's better. So concentrate evidence. He clapped his hands. I'm guessing Jason Bow didn't tell you anything useful. Ah, that, she said, clicking her pen again. And all she could hear was DT, DT, DT. Yeah, no, he didn't give me anything and basically told me to never darken their doorway again. I thought it might go that way, Ravi said. I think they think, I think they think, oh my god. I think they like their privacy, the bells. Andy never, never even invited us out over when they were together. And of course, you are chef doorway darkener Sarge, but she said. I don't think the security alarm at Green Sane that night is key. That it was DT breaking into into get the duct tape and the rope he needed for Tara. And he must have left before Jason Bell got there to check it out. Whether it was Bell or someone else. Oh, I mean Billy. Sorry, sorry. Billy or someone else. Someone else, Ravi said absently chewing on the phrase so that fbi profiler from that article before billy was caught said that the dt killer was a white man who could be anywhere from their early 20s to mid 40s pip nodded i guess that rules max hastings out he sniffed yeah she said gradually gradually that is totally wrong, brutally, but we're just, I'm just guessing here, so like, I, I think that's what it says, yeah. He would have been just 17 at the time of the first murder, and the night Tara died, and Andy bowed to Max had Sal and Naomi Ward, and the others round his house. He could have left when the others were asleep but i don't think it fits and he has no connection to green scene so yeah not him as much as i wanted to put max hastings away for life but dan da silva used to work at green scene right ravi asked yes he did said she said her teeth gritted i just worked out the timeline this afternoon she flipped through the scribbles in her notebook she knew daniel the silva exact age because he'd been one of the men in town who'd match green char charlie green's age profile for child burnswick burnswick had to scroll back really far on his facebook he worked at the the janitor at school from 2010 to 2011 when he was around 20 years old. Then he started working at Green Scene at the end of 2011 and he stayed there until October-ish, 2013. I think when he started his police training, so he was 21 when he started at Green Scene and 23 when he left. 
and he was still working there when the first two DT murders happened, Robbie said, pressing his lips into a thin line. The first three, actually. Bethany Ingham was killed in August 2013. I think she used to do, to, used to be, I think she used to be Dan's supervisor, as well as Billy's. The name redacted in the police transcript. I think that Daniel, that's Daniel Billy's talking about when Jason Bell gave Dan a job in the office rather than out on the field, as it were, and that was at the start of 2013, as far as I can tell, oh, and he married his wife, Kim, in September 2013. They'd been together for four years, wait, they've been together for years before that. Interesting, Robbie said, running his hand over Pip's curtains, checking there were fully closed. She grunted an argument, a dark sound at the back of her throat, as she flipped back to her to-do list in the notebook. Most of the crudely drawn boxes beside the list were now filled with check marks. So if Jason won't talk to me, I've had a lot to see if there if there are any ex-employees of green scene or clean scene, people would work in the office who might have more than that security alarm on April 18, 2014. I found a couple on Lincoln Ding. Um, that's also probably wrong. I don't know if I'm definitely know that I'm not pronouncing that right. Lincoln Ding, I think. And I've sent them a message. Good thinking. I think I should see if I can talk to Lou, Lieutenant Noel, too. He's retired now. Oh, I also tried to get in contact with some family members of the victims, she said, running her pen down those items on her list. I thought I found an email address from Bethany Ignam's dad, but the email bounced. I did find an Instagram profile for Julia Hunter's sister, Harriet, you know, the one who mentioned the pigeons. It looks like she hadn't posted in months, she said, opening Instagram on her phone to show him. Maybe she doesn't go on it anymore, but I sent her a DM. Justin Pip's eyes stalled, caught on the red notification that had just popped up above the message tab. Oh, caca. She hissed, clicking on it. She just replied. Harriet Hunters just replied. Ravi was already up on his feet, his hands finding their way to her shoulders. What did she say? His breath tickled the back of her neck. Pip scanned the message quickly, her eyes so tired, so dried out. She thought they might creak in their sockets. She said she's wait, she she says she can meet with me tomorrow. Pip felt herself smile before she could help it. Luckily Ravi was behind her and couldn't see. He would frown at her. 
and tell her this wasn't a time for celebrating, but it felt like it in a way. It was another win for her. Save herself to save herself. Your move, DT. Okay, so since that's the end of chapter 18, that was the last page. Anyways, so since this is a part two, I will be ending it there. And I'll do the next chapter. So stay tuned for the next chapters. It's getting a little mysterious now. So I'll see you guys in the next chapters. Bye.